Five women sat around the table at a local restaurant with two bottles of wine. We wondered who would be the first to admit her life was out of control. We didn't know one another well, but we all had one thing in common. We were drowning in our jobs and were suffering both personally and professionally. Brenda filled our glasses as Linda dove in. I asked you all here because I need help, and I think you might too. I am completely overwhelmed with work. I've lost control of my time. I can't keep up with everything, and more stuff just keeps coming at me. Every time someone asks me to do something, I want to say no, but I feel like I can't. I'm a mess. Is it just me? The rest of us simultaneously answered, no. We looked at one another and let that sink in. This became the first of many meetings of the No Club. It all had started two weeks earlier, the day Linda realized that she just couldn't keep up with her workload. Here's how she remembers it. I finally had it. My calendar was filled with back-to-back meetings that left me almost no time for research. I'm a professor of economics at Carnegie Mellon University, so research is not only a key part of my job, it is the primary factor in my performance evaluation. That means the amount of time I spend on research really matters, so it is critical that I schedule non-teaching days to focus on my research. On one of my non-teaching days, the morning started with a rush as I ran to and from meetings. I noticed my across-the-hall colleague, George, sitting at his desk every time I passed by. He didn't move all day. I couldn't understand how he managed to spend so much time in his office, and when he joked about how much running around I did, I asked what his schedule for the day was like. He showed me his calendar, and as I compared it to mine, I was shocked. Out of the entire day, I had one hour devoted to research while George had seven. He had only two non-research commitments where I had seven. How was his schedule so focused on research, a critical part of both of our jobs, when mine wasn't? I looked at all the things on my calendar and realized that I had agreed to every single one of them. How did this happen? I needed an intervention, so I reached out to four of my friends for help. February 12th, 2010, 1.15 p.m. Hi, Brenda, Lisa, Lori, and MJ. This email is to invite you to the inaugural meeting of the I Just Can't Say No Club. I've decided to start this club so that a group of smart women can have a few drinks and talk about the difficulties we all have in saying no to things that we ought to. This is one of the hardest things I face, and I think we can all help each other out a lot on this. Since I know that none of you can say no to my invitation, please fill out the form at the following link that will let me know what days you can come to the inaugural meeting. I thought we'd meet at 5 p.m., say at the Union Grill, but I'm always willing to start drinking early. I think this will be really helpful, and at the very least, all you cool women will get to meet each other. Thanks. Linda. Then I got nervous. I was the only one who knew everyone, and I was having second thoughts about whether this could work. I had chosen each woman for a reason. Brenda and I were close, having worked together for years. An associate dean in the public policy school at Carnegie Mellon, CMU, Brenda was always the first person to offer to help, which was great for everyone but her. I noticed she was doing a lot of work that no one else would do, and she wasn't getting credit for it. I had also asked Lisa, a fellow economics professor at the University of Pittsburgh, because we bonded on a plane ride home from a gender conference at Harvard. During that flight, I was surprised to learn how much stress she had managing her workload, since she is a prolific scholar and seemed to have it all together. Lori, a professor in Carnegie Mellon's business school, and I shared an interest in negotiation research, and we'd taught a course together. 
Lori was another person who seemed to have everything under control, but I suspected that she might not. MJ and I had met doing a project with the Women and Girls Foundation. She was a major contributor to women's organizations in our region, and people always wanted her expertise for free. Because she ran her own consulting business, she relied on opportunities for visibility, but was spread too thin. Everyone agreed to join. Brenda was excited. When she told her husband about the club, he laughed. He said, perfect group for you. Do you know that anytime anyone asks you anything, you say happy to before they even put the question mark on the end of the sentence? She hadn't realized that she did this and was surprised because she thought of herself as decisive and, frankly, no pushover. She had spent decades in executive-level positions in the private sector and higher education. She had consulted with Fortune 100 companies, founded Carnegie Mellon's campus in Australia, the first foreign university in the country, and overseen the creation and growth of a number of master's programs, 